We'll start today reading from verse 21 and proceed through chapter 6, verse 9. Picking up the same thread that we've been sharing with you from week to week with the theme of walking worthy. It's been a challenging time for me looking at these portions of scripture. We'll look again today at walking in harmony three-dimensional harmony between husbands and wives, parents and children, servants and masters, or in contemporary language, employers and employees. So we are trusting the Holy Spirit to speak this morning to our hearts from his word. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. May the Lord bless the word to us as we look at it together again. Now I'm going to have to talk rapidly. You're going to have to listen very quickly. I have a 45-minute message to condense into about 10 minutes, and so we can share communion together before the Baptists beat us to Ponderosa. 
We've talked about walking worthy. And let me just quickly recap where we've been. The first challenge to us was walk in unity. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope of our calling. This unity provided for by Jesus, maintained by us. Then he said walk in purity. Don't walk like the Gentiles do in the vanity of their mind, not knowing where they're going. But we have a purpose in life. Don't walk that way. Walk, he said, in love. Even as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in light. As children of the day, you were once darkness as a condition of life, but now you are light in the Lord. Total transformation at the cross. Made new creatures in Christ Jesus by the power of regeneration. Last week we talked about walking in wisdom. And in order to do that, the challenge was to us be filled with the Spirit continuously. Be being filled with the Spirit of the living God. Walk circumspectly. Today, the challenge is that we walk in harmony. Husbands and wives, parents and their children, bosses and their employees. There can be, should be, must be, for the believer, a walk worthy that involves harmony. There is a bit of a difference, and we need perhaps to establish that between unity and harmony. The first walk that we focused attention upon was the walk of unity. You would agree with me, I'm sure, that people can be united and not be in harmony. I told in the early service about a farm boy who was trying to impress his city friends with some form of different entertainment. When they were there on the farm, he took two cats from the barn, tied their tails together, and they were united. But the fur was flying, and they were not in harmony together. And how many know this morning there may be people who are united together, but they are not in harmony together? And uh, that is a sad occasion. I was reminded of some dear friends of mine, one of their children in the early service today, we've known for a long time and had been married he now is with the Lord in the presence of God in heaven Sue McConaughey he and Evelyn were part of the original nucleus of Monroeville Assembly and and he would often say it's a phrase he repeated to me and I knew the punchline but it got me every time he said pastor you know we've been married over 40 years and we still hold hands he said if we ever let go I'm not sure what we would do to each other You can live, be united together, but not in harmony together. So if you see someone holding hands this morning, it may be in self-defense. So uh, don't make any snap judgments. Walk in harmony. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now I want to emphasize that little phrase, because I think upon those three words, hangs a proper understanding of the verses we read to you and the possibility or the lack of possibility of walking in harmony with each other in the fear of God. 
Can I suggest to you this morning that if indeed you are a part of the family of God and you are living in the fear of God, you're going to keep your marriage pretty well together. And if there is a breakdown in the relationship and a lack of harmony or a, a lack of fulfillment of the purpose and calling covenant and commitment that you had to each other, there must have first been a breakdown of the fear of God. If we could have an infusion and revival of an awesome awareness of who the Lord is and a reverence and fear for the magnificence of our God and the fact that we will one day stand before him to give an account of the stewardship of our lives the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge to fear the Lord is to hate evil and I believe the fulfillment of all the verses that we've read to you that have to do with husbands and wives and parents and children Servants and masters have to do with the fear of God. And if we could have a way of transmitting to the generations who follow us that dimension of their spiritual lives, we will bless them beyond measure. Might we suggest this morning that the revival, the kind of revival we need today is a revival of the fear of God. Genuine, honest, total fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You'll notice that that seems to be the recurring phrase throughout all of the verses that we read to you. As unto the Lord, so as unto Christ, in the Lord, of the Lord, as unto the Lord. Everything that we do in our relationships to each other really, indeed, and in fact, are unto the Lord. So you see, in our submission to each other, we are really and truly submitting ourselves to the Lord. We had a wonderful little skit last night that John and some of his friends put together of Jesus telephoning him that he was going to be there around 4 o'clock, and he had the turkey on and all the trimmings, and people who came to the door that were turned away, hungry, thirsty, naked people. And then a verse of scripture that just comes to nail it right into your spirit. Inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And that really is the essence of the thought of these verses without going into great detail. The meat of the message of these verses. And so many times we get bogged down with the mechanics of these verses. How do we submit and to who submits to who and who's better than who and isn't this really a downgrading of one person over another? Isn't there really a second class citizenship being espoused here and people get offended? So unnecessary really when you understand the instruction of scripture is as unto the Lord. 
we're doing it unto him. And not to do it is not a domestic problem, it's a spiritual problem. We don't have domestic problems outlined in this verse. We have spiritual problems because not to obey the command of the Lord, and that's exactly what this is here, along with many other commands, is to submit to one another in the fear of God. And let me just give you what I feel to be the meat of these texts. First of all, to be filled with the Spirit, the means and the motivation for walking in harmony. The means is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Don't let seven days detract from the truth that we shared with you last Sunday morning. Looking just a verse or two above where we read our text, from verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then you'll notice the punctuation. At least in the King James it has semicolons. I checked some of the others and they end the sentence with a period. But I believe there is a continuation of the truth from that statement in verse 18. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Semicolon. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Semicolon. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that context still clearly flows out of a spirit-filled life. And it might be very difficult for you to obey the commands of the Lord in the natural. We need to be, be being filled with the Spirit of God in order to praise Him the way this verse talks about and to give thanks to Him when and how in all things, for all things. Those things are tough in the natural. And the submission that He talks about the means is the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and the motive is in the fear of God. Submitting one to another. That term simply means in the Greek to place under. Submit. Compound word which means to place under. How many know that's not real popular for the natural man? It was a military term in New Testament times, but I do not want you to see it by the fact that you're in the army. You are not in the army. Your home is not the infantry. There is not a top sergeant there that barks out orders. And what we're not suggesting that this passage tells you is that you are to, to, to submit to the demands of a husband or parents but you are to submit to the Lord and he has established a chain of command in your home that God who is the head of Christ who is the head of the man who is the head of the woman who are the head of the children God has established a social order for the preservation of the family unit and our response to that command indicates our reverence for God, our fear of Him. A healthy fear, not cringing fear, not 
fleeing fear, but a holy respect for and a holy reverence for our God. And so our obedience is predicated upon that relationship with Him. Fullness and fear. Fullness of the Spirit and reverence for God. The mechanics, I'm not so sure we need really to get too deep into the mechanics, but the motivation and the meat of the message is, Oh God, in this service this morning, make us conscious of the one who is over us, which is Jesus Christ, and that we do whatever we do as unto the Lord, eating or drinking, yielding, obeying, reverencing as unto the Lord, or the lack of it as unto him. Important as it is, to recognize those dimensions. To the workplace. I think that uh, when we look at these portions of Scripture, they are intensely practical. They deal right where we live, at home, with the people that we work with on the job, those people that are related to us, that God has given to us as parents. This is really where our Christianity is proven. Where how real Jesus is, is demonstrated. You believe that? Difference. There is a difference. And he said, for the employee, you ought to obey your master. Now the word used here is slave these people who had absolutely no rights even to life, they were chattel to their owners. And he said, now you obey your masters after the flesh, implying that they also had masters after the spirit. And the one really they were giving an account to was their spiritual master. He didn't decry slavery. He didn't say how horrible that was. In fact, if you want a verse to look at, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. And he says, if you're called and you're a slave, don't fight that. If you can be free, be free. But over half of the population in the Roman Empire at that time was living in slavery, and if these people had gotten caught up in that social issue, they would have moved into a social movement and a social revolution and have lost any impact of, of being a spiritual movement for God. You won't find it anywhere in Scripture. Overthrow the masters and become free. Though there's some guidelines as to how you ought to live if that's the condition. And he said, be obedient, as though you were working for the Lord. And masters, he said, here's the guideline for you. Recognize you have a master, and you need to treat them the way you want your master to treat you. I told the story of Howard Hendricks being on the airplane, delayed for six hours. 
departing for a particular appointment and one man on board who had had more than enough refreshments giving the stewardess a hard time but she had gone about her task supplying pillows and blankets and everything that he felt he needed during that time and about the time they had finished and ready to take off Howard said he went back to the galley and said to this gal he said I I need your name and address because I want to write American Airlines and tell them what kind of an employee you've been that you have put up with an awful lot in a very gracious way and I just want to express to them what kind of a employee you are she of course didn't recognize him as a Bible college professor and noted speaker and minister she just said sir I thank you for that kindness but it really won't be necessary you see I don't work for American Airlines I work for Jesus Christ and I think that really says what the apostle is trying to say to, to each one of us here if we'll do it as unto the Lord makes all the difference in the world doesn't it if we're doing it for men we can really get bummed out but when we're doing it for the Lord it doesn't really matter does it because we're trying to please him who's called us to be a servant amen so we place ourselves under this is a voluntary thing it's not a command that's that's issued down as an edict that says either do this or die but it is you submit yourself it's reciprocal one to another isn't that neat it's not one kind of passive person being dominated by other non-passive people it's not one human will submitting to another human will but it is both people submitting their will to the will of God that makes all the difference in this passage because there are some people who will dominate other people and that's not what this Bible gives license to but we are submitting one to another reciprocal in the fear of God hallelujah we don't work for Westinghouse or US Steel we work for Jesus Christ hallelujah makes a difference in our home if we fear God makes a difference with our parents and our children if they fear God full of the spirit and fear God makes a difference where you work I pray father you will bless these thoughts and assist us in our walk that we indeed walk worthy in harmony together and as Lord, when we are not willing to submit that with our sin, the root of all sin is selfishness. And Lord, you are attempting in asking us to submit, to deal with the root cause of all sin, selfishness. And if we will lay down of ourself and voluntarily give up In that sacrifice, in that sacrificial act, there's redemption.
And I thank you, Lord, for the illustration and the prototype that you have of Calvary. Not just something you did for us, but something you modeled for us. And I pray that we will follow the example, take the model, make it our own. For Lord, the natural person, natural man, tends towards selfishness. But you are striking at the very root of that that causes disharmony and asking us to deal with self, take it to the cross and submit because of the fullness of the Spirit and because our respect and love for you Lord we will do that today we will do that this morning so that it will affect our relationship with our wives our husbands our kids our employer our employee Lord we don't serve them we serve you but oh it makes a difference if we're serving you how we serve them if we're truly and in fact serving you it will show up in the way we serve them and our submission to them is really and truly submission to you our lack of it is a lack of submission to you it's a spiritual thing we ask for your help name of Jesus gentlemen would you come please assist us hallelujah while they're coming let me explain this is an open communion service you need not be a member to join at this table we do ask that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you know him, you are a part of his family. We are members of his flesh and of his bones. That's what this verse we've just read said. For we are members of his flesh and of his bones. You're welcome to partake of the Lord with us today. Hallelujah. We do ask that you know him as your Savior because you're identifying yourself with him. And you can do that right now. You could make that decision to turn your life over to him at this time of communion. If you're willing to do that, just take those emblems by faith and say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. I appropriate your broken body and your shed blood as an atonement for my sin. I want to be saved can do that by faith receive him at this altar if you're not ready to do that that's okay I understand that just let the plates go by gentlemen if you'll serve us please Lord of you Lord more of you What I need is more of you, of things I've had my fill, and yet 
I hunger still, empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you, singing more of you. What I need is more of you, of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still, empty and bare, Lord hear my prayer. For more of you, yes, more of you, oh, more of you, I have all, but what I need is more of you. things I've had my fill and yet I hunger still empty and bare Lord hear my prayer for more of you What a beautiful picture Jesus gives us of the way we are to love. Our vision is so clouded by society and the gospel that it preaches, the kind of love that it identifies. It's clear in these verses of Scripture and it's clear when we look at communion that he's not talking about emotion when he says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Sometimes we just kind of identify, well, love is that warm feeling we have, you know, that pleasant feeling that responds to attractiveness. That's so far from the kind of love the Lord is talking about here, because when he looked down and loved us, there was nothing about us attractive to him. God is so holy, he cannot look on sin. And that's what I was. That's what you were. While we were yet sinners, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, there is nothing more repulsive to God than sin. Nothing more repulsive to God than sin. He cannot look upon sin. So looking at us, he was not attracted to us. He did not have some warm emotional response to us. So all oh, the horrible fallacy of saying, you know, I, I just don't have this warm feeling anymore. That's not love. 
that's an emotion but that's not love love is a commitment love is responsible behavior it is a commitment to ministry to another person to their highest and best good at regardless of what cost it might be to you and that's what that piece of bread and that glass of juice you have in your hands represented because Jesus loved us not with a warm feeling but with a decision he commanded us to love husbands love you can't command an emotion this is volition he's talking about an act of the will he chose to love us hallelujah you haven't chosen him but he has chosen you and I thank him for that this morning not because I was attractive but in my repulsiveness my ugliness in my sin he chose to love me How many know that you can lose that warm feeling for one person and develop for another person? But that's not love, because love is a commitment. Until death do us part. Hallelujah. It is a choice. Husbands, continue to love. Don't ever stop loving. That's the language. Don't ever quit. Make that choice, that decision. And I'm so glad he's the model for us. He never stops loving us. Amen.